Welcome to the New Beginning Fellowship Church Sermon Podcast. We are glad you are listening to the teaching of the Word of the Lord. We pray that this message encourages you and builds your faith. We also pray that this message is only supplemental to your spiritual growth instead of being a replacement for daily personal Bible study, the pastor you should be submitted to, or the church God would have you to be an active member of. If you live within driving distance of Brobridge, Louisiana, we hope that you would come to visit us during one of our services on Sunday morning or Wednesday night. Service times, ministry information, and giving options are all located on our website at newbeginningfc.com or on our Facebook page at New Beginning Fellowship Church. May the Lord bless you and keep you and make His face to shine upon you. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. This morning we want to look at the resurrection, the cross and the resurrection, but also the implications of that cross and resurrection. Amen? Because I'll tell you what, Jesus Christ was crucified, He was buried, He was raised, He has ascended to the right hand of the Father on high. But for many people in this world, that means absolutely nothing. And for many people who go to church, it means absolutely nothing. It has not accomplished something in their life. And I tell you, any religious thing that doesn't change a man, any religious thing that doesn't have an influence upon the life and the nature of a person is not part of the gospel of Jesus Christ. This gospel changes men. Amen? And if this gospel has not changed you, then that cross and resurrection means nothing to you. Amen? And so this morning we want to talk about what this gospel does in our hearts so that we can know that we're walking in the power of that gospel. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen? Hallelujah. Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Paul the Apostle says to the believers in Rome... He says, for if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Let's read that again. For if because of one man's trespass, Adam's trespass, Adam's sin, death reigned through that one man, that Adam was the federal head of the human race and death reigned through his life upon all that descended from Adam. And it says much more. If that's true, much more. If Adam and his actions can have such a widespread and widely felt and overwhelming influence upon humanity, if that's true, then much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man. Jesus Christ. Amen? That that is our inheritance. That is the accomplishments of the cross and the burial and the resurrection. That if Adam by his action of sin could have such impact upon humanity, then Jesus Christ in his action of righteousness and obedience can have a much greater impact upon humanity through grace. 
Amen? And what is that impact? He says that those who have received righteousness, the free gift of righteousness, and the abundance of grace. So what is this righteousness? It is free. Amen? Hallelujah. And this grace is dwindling small, minuscule? No, abundant. And if we've received the free gift of righteousness and the abundance of grace, what will happen? We will reign through Him in life. Amen? That's what we will do through the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I want to talk to you this morning about this raised to reign. Amen? Raised to reign. That if you've been crucified with Christ and buried with Him and raised to newness of life, you have been raised to reign. That's what Jesus has accomplished on your behalf this morning. Can I tell you, do you feel the circumstances of life? Do you feel the temptation and the accusation of the devil? Do you feel the persecution of the devil? Do you feel the striving of this world coming against you so that you feel overridden and oppressed and struggling in this life? Well, I tell you, by grace, you ought to be reigning. Amen? That that's what you can be in Christ by the grace of God to the glory of God reigning in life. Amen. Can we pray this morning and ask the Lord to open our eyes? Lord, we ask you that you would open our eyes to understand the word of the living God. Come, God Almighty, and minister to our hearts. Come and refresh us and renew us. If there are those with blinded eyes, if there are those with deaf ears who cannot see and cannot hear what God would speak to them, unstop those ears and let the scales fall from their eyes. Let them see Jesus Christ and His love and His grace and His gospel and be born again to a living hope. And let those who are your children, let those who have come into the kingdom of God Know the inheritance of grace that they've received and learn to walk in it, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. So he says this morning, as he's talking about Adam, he's talking about our fallen condition. This is a hearkening back to the book of Genesis in the first and the second and the third chapter. And we see that in that chapter, we're told that God made the heavens and the earth And He put man upon the earth in the Garden of Eden to work it and to cultivate it. And it says that of the man that He made him in the likeness and the image of God. He was to be God's representative in the earth. He was to be His ambassador in the earth. And God blessed Adam. And God blessed the work of His hands. And God told him that he's to go forth into all the earth and be fruitful and to multiply. He told him that he's to do good in this earth. That this man is to have dominion over the earth and to rule in the stead of God. Amen? That this man was to be the actor on the stage that God had set to represent his nature, his character, his personality in this world. And he gave him authority over this world. But that man was deceived, was he not? Amen? That man, or excuse me, that woman was deceived, but this man sinned against the Lord. He disobeyed God, fell into rebellion, and because of him, it says, cursed is the ground because of you. This earth that was blessed and would be blessed through your life is now cursed because of you. And no longer will the earth yield its fruit to you in an easy submission, but it will bring forth thorns and thistles. This life will be plagued with trial and trouble and difficulty and creation will fight against you and resist you because you are fallen and creation is fallen with you. 
And so we see through all the history of humanity, humanity broken and marred. We see humanity fallen. We see humanity full of wars and fighting and immorality and ungodliness, conquered and deceived, lied to and abused, overwhelmingly destroyed over and over and over again. And you do not have to live very long in this world to see the despondency of the fallenness of this world. Amen? Amen? Even in America, we've done everything that we can to distance ourselves from the fall. Everything that we can to create a utopia. Everything to make the world easy and convenient and supple and fun and padded and and convenient and easy. And yet, we have a nation full of wickedness and sin. A nation full of anti-depression medications. A nation full of suicide. A nation full of bondages and addiction. A nation full of pain and grief and sorrow. A nation torn apart. And we see our nation and its unity and its fabric being unraveled day after day. And our convenience and all of our uh, opulence and all of the, the convenience that we have is dwindling and being lost. We are not untouched by this fall. And so Jesus entered in to the brokenness of this humanity. Amen? Jesus stepped in to be the second Adam. Jesus stepped in to be the second representative of the human race. And this is what it says, For if by one man's trespass death reigned, through that one man. It has emphasized the fall of Adam. It has emphasized the cost of his sin. It has emphasized the brutality of sin and the fall of this world upon our hearts. And now he's going to superimpose it with Jesus Christ and the gospel. And he says, if sin can take us that far down, then how high can Jesus lift us up? If sin can destroy us that bad, how whole can Jesus make us? If it can plunge us into that much darkness, how much light can Jesus bring us into? If it can bring us into that much death, how much life can Jesus work into our hearts? Amen? And so this contrast, if He can do that, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This is the salvation that God has provided for us that we can receive, accept, take to ourselves the abundance of grace. Amen? The abundance of grace. The abundance of grace where sin did abound. Grace did much more abound. Grace did super abound. If sin abounded to the furthest degree, then grace went even beyond that to overcome all of sin's power. The free gift. Do I have to earn it? Do I have to work for it? Do I have to strive? It is freely given by God. And the gift of righteousness to reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. What this tells us is this cross and resurrection has accomplished a victory for us that Jesus will share the spoils with us. Amen? Look with me very quickly. Look with me at Ephesians chapter 4. 
Ephesians chapter 4. Really, we could spend a long time studying just this passage and going back to Psalm 69 and seeing the reference here. But in Psalm 69, it's talking about how God brought the people of Israel out of Egypt, out of bondage, out of oppression, out of being destroyed by their enemies. He blessed them and He brought them into the promised land. And then it says this. It says that God came down and worked a victory for the people. And then it says two things. He worked a victory for the people. And it says the women are going about telling that God has won the victory and the women are dividing the spoils. And so God has won a victory, brought it back to His redeemed people and then give it to them and they're parsing it out going, look what our victor has done. Look what our champion has done. We're dividing up the spoils of His victory. And then it says that the men were hiding in the sheepfolds. In other words, he didn't win the victory through the people. He won in spite of the weakness and the fear of the people who weren't able to deliver themselves. Is this not a picture of the gospel? Amen? Then I didn't do anything to help accomplish this gospel. The priests and the scribes and the Pharisees, those most qualified, if there was anyone that Jesus could go to and say, can you participate with me in accomplishing redemption? It would be those who knew the Word, who knew the the theology, who knew the promises, those who were devoted to righteousness, and yet it was those who accused Him and saw Him crucified. And His very disciples scattered and ran, showing that they truly needed a Savior. Amen? And so God came down and won the victory in the presence of those weak, unable people and brought back the spoils of that war and dispersed it among the people. And this is what we see, the use of this text, when it says in Ephesians chapter 4, in verse 8, It says, therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and gave gifts to men. Now, this is originally a reference to Egypt and God coming down to Egypt. And when he's leaving out of Egypt, he's leading a host of captives, those that were in bondage to their oppressor, and he's leading them out. And as he's leading them out, he's giving them gifts and saying, this is the spoils of war that I've won on your behalf. And so it says in saying, verse 9, in saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. And so Paul is using this double referent to say the way that God went and delivered Israel from their bondage and oppressors and brought them out and then gave them the spoils of his victory. Amen. He didn't make them go out and win their own victory. He won the victory on their behalf. He got the spoils of war for them and is giving it to them. He ascended. He brought them out. He gave them the reward of his victory. And then he ascended on the throne to reign forever. And he's saying this is a picture of Jesus descending into the earth, dying on the cross into the lower regions of the earth, going into the grave, leading captives out of the gates of hell, leading captives out of the bondage of hell because Jesus said the gates of hell will not prevail against my church. I will win those souls. I will bring back the captive hosts and deliver them. And give them the reward. And it says, and he ascended back to heaven. 
Amen? And so this is the point this morning that Jesus has won the war on your behalf. Jesus has defeated the enemies on your behalf. When Jesus is on the cross, He cries out, It is finished. Jesus won the battle for you. Amen? On the way to the cross, Jesus said, Now the hour has come that the prince of this world would be cast out. And so Jesus defeated the powers of sin and hell and darkness. Amen? And then what does it say? But that He shares this victory with us. That we are to reign in life. This is our inheritance. But I want to tell you this morning, this is the point. That the way that you reign through life is first, you've got to die. Amen? First, you've got to die because... Jesus cannot trust that old man with this new life. Amen? That old man is in the trouble that he's in because of his own fault. Amen? You can't trust that old man with this reigning because he's fighting against the kingdom of God. And so what do we see in Romans chapter 6 after he tells them this is the purpose of God that you would reign in life. But how do we get to that life? Romans chapter 6 verse 4 and 5. We were buried, therefore, with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with Him in a death like His, we shall certainly be united with Him in a resurrection like His. Do you want to know how you get to reign in life? You die first. Amen? This is what Jesus means when He says in Luke 9, 22 or in 23, He says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. He tells them in another passage that He's going to be crucified. And so He says, I've got to be crucified. I've got to die. I've got to go into the grave and I've got to be raised. And then He says, verse 23, And He said to all, If anyone would come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow Me. Amen? And some of you are listening this morning saying, I know that passage, I know that theology, I know that I'm crucified with Christ, I know that I'm dead to sin and alive unto God, and I know that that's true. Praise God that has happened, and you believe that that happened, but Jesus says you need to take up this cross daily. Amen? That the key to the Christian life, the key to, li- the key to living and the power of what Jesus has done for you is to make sure that it's not that old man trying to compete with Jesus, but it is that old man judged and condemned and dead on the cross and that new man raised to a newness of life. Amen? And so I say to you this morning, Jesus has got to deal with that old man. What does it mean for something? To be crucified. I tell you this morning, I remind you that crucifixion was a legal action. Amen? It was an official action. Don't Christianize it so soon that you lose the implication and you're only stuck with the picture and the image and the theology. The theology is based upon the actual event of crucifixion. Amen? And the event of crucifixion is that it was a legal action by the Roman government that a man was accused of a crime worthy of death. He was inspected. He was evaluated. And if he was deemed guilty, he was put on that cross. He was shamed publicly, told that he was worthless. He had lost every right and every privilege. He was raised up on the cross in humiliation, put down into the grave to be forgotten forever. And that was the end of his life. 
And if Jesus says that you need to be crucified, it means that you need to evaluate your life. You need to look at it and judge it and see that it is ugly and worthy of death and unfit to reign and it is deserving of nothing but to be lifted up in shame, to die and to be put into the grave, forgotten forever. And by the grace of God, you can be raised up again. Amen? And so I say to you this morning, Jesus says, deny yourself. Deny yourself. This is an intentional judgment and rejection of that old self. Can I tell you, the only people denying themselves are the ones who've seen themselves. Amen? Are the people who've looked at Jesus and saw what they were and saw what He is and say, that thing is not fit to live in the sight of this Christ. That thing is not fit to serve this Jesus. That thing is so unlike Him, it deserves to be judged. It is an act of the mercy of the Lord to show a man what He is. They would no longer cling to that old, ragged, dirty, broken self. And He would come to God and say, Lord, it is fit for nothing but a cross. I won't justify it. I won't explain it away. I won't make room for its weaknesses. I won't lift it up in pride. I won't dress it up in church clothes. I won't try to make it something it's not. It deserves nothing but an awful death. This is the intention of the cross. Have you seen yourself? Have you seen your pride? Have you seen your vanity? Have you seen your weakness? Have you seen how unfit you are to walk with the living Christ? Have you seen how broken you are? My God, in this life, He allows us to walk in this life and to allow things to come up in our life to test us so that we might know what we are. Amen? So that we might know what we are because we go through seasons of death. And resurrection. We go through seasons where that flesh feels like it's alive again. And it looks like that old man is alive again. And Jesus allows the circumstances of life to provoke that old man so that we can see what we are. Amen. I'll tell you so many times the Lord's taken me through something. Delivered me. I've repented and acknowledged my weakness in my flesh. And thought I could never be proud again. I could never think some great thing about myself again. I'll walk humbly before the Lord. I'll love the Lord. I'm godly he's rooted all of it out and then a short time later a trial will come and pains will come and it'll provoke that old man and i'll see something new rise to the surface oh and how i want to pity that old man how i want to have sorrow for it how i want to grieve its pain and its hurt how i want to be patient with it and say you're excused how i want to pamper it and say it's going to be okay until he allows the thing to become so wicked and awful in my sight all i can do is go to jesus and say lord you've got to put it to death it cannot survive anymore if i am to be the man after God's own heart. If I am to be Jesus' representative in the earth, if I am to do His work and to be a faithful servant of the Lord, this old man has got to go. He can't be pretend anymore. He can't be fake anymore. He can't act like everything's okay. I can't make excuses for him and make room for him and make sure that he's got room to grow and flourish. Lord, he can do nothing but die so that that new man can live. And so Jesus says, daily, 
daily take up your cross. This is not a theology that you learn once and say, I know that. Amen, I know that. I know that. Preacher, you've talked about this before. I've read it in the Bible before. Good theology, good truth, but I'm beyond that. Can I tell you, Jesus knew you would never be beyond it because He said to His disciples, not to His converts, we've turned Christianity into a moment, into a conversion thing where you're only converted and then you just live and you go through life. But this is a discipleship where I walk with Jesus and I'm supposed to become like my Master. I'm supposed to become like the one I'm following. I'm supposed to become more and more like the one on whose name I call. And if I'm to be doing that, I have to constantly be seeing Him in His glory and seeing myself for what I am that I might judge that self and deny that self and say, Lord, let it die so that you might reign, so that you might live in this heart because that new man, that new man can be trusted with the kingdom of God. That new man will walk after grace. That new man will love his neighbor and his enemy alike. That new man will honor God. That new man will slash idols to the ground. That new man will forgive. That new man will be patient and holy. That new man will make the kingdom of God a priority. That new man will seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And when all those things are added to him, he will be a steward and not a worshiper of the gift. And so I say to you this morning, oh, that you would come to Jesus and say, Lord, let this old man pass away and the new man come that I might reign in life. God Almighty, that this new man might walk in the authority that Jesus has given him to be the servant of the living God. I want to read to you this morning a song by Phil Wickham called Mercy. It has got to be one of the greatest modern Christian songs that's ever been written. I love this song. And you'll think about the theology that he says of this song. Go home and listen to it. I've listened to it over and over and over again and just weep and weep and weep and say, Lord, you've got to help me to have this truth in my life. He says in this song, made from the dust and breathed into life. He stood unashamed with a fire in his eyes. The image of God walking upon the world. All of the earth was under his feet except for the fruit from a forbidden tree. He took a taste and that's how he breaks the world. He cried mercy. Mercy. He broke the whole world with the fruit from a tree. Have mercy, mercy. Heaven to earth came down from on high with hope in His name and a fire in His eyes. The fullness of God walking upon the world. He said He was love, then proved it with blood and rose from the dead and proved He was God. And that's what it takes for one man to save the world. Oh, such mercy. Mercy. He saved the whole world when He hung on a tree. Such mercy. In the last verse, Now here inside our skin and bones, heaven above is making its home. The kingdom of God 
living upon the world. To love like he loves and give like he gives. To tell the story that makes dead men live. And that's what it takes if we're going to change the world. Mercy, mercy. Your love is a song and you sing it over me. Mercy, mercy. That God gave us an honor and a privilege to live in this world and to represent Him. And we fell and were broken. And Jesus came and took on the broken image and was broken on our behalf so that when He was raised to a whole image and a restored image, that you could be restored with Him. Oh, I thank God that the Word of the Lord says God sent Jeremiah down to the house of the potter and the vessel was marred in his hand. A vessel that was supposed to be used for the Lord. A vessel that God could invest His life into. A vessel that God could pour His truth into. A vessel that God could use for His glory. And it was broken. And everything God poured in It poured out and was wasted on the ground. But God didn't give up on the vessel. Praise God that it was still in the hand of the potter. And He took it back to the wheel and worked it again and worked it again and worked it again until He could mend the hole and restore it and give it purpose again so that He could use it for His glory. And Jesus came down was crucified in your place and raised in your stead so that as you have a relationship with Him, you can be raised to a newness of life. That this is what it means. Then it says we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but God has raised us up and seated us with Him in the heavenly places. And Jesus says to the one who overcomes, I will give to sit with me on my throne to rule forever and ever. Amen? This is the problem. James and John wanted their old man to be at that place. And they said, Jesus, can you let us sit there? They sent their mama to manipulate Jesus. They thought, surely Jesus is a softy. Jesus loves old ladies. Mama, go talk to Jesus and get us a position. And he says, you want to sit with me? Can you drink the cup that I drink? Can you go to the cross and die? I've come that you might reign. But that old man can't sit on that throne. That old man cannot reign. Oh, but I tell you what the Word of the Lord says. As He is, so are we in this world. Amen? That we've been given a new nature and born again that we might serve in the name of the Lord. And this is the privilege that the Lord Jesus Christ gives us. What? That we might reign in life. That we might reign over sin so that it would no longer have dominion over us, but that we would be free to offer our bodies as instruments to the living God. That we might reign over the powers of hell that would tempt us and discourage us and oppress us. That we might reign over those spirits that would come into this world and afflict the oppressed, and hurt them and wound them, and we can go in the victory of the Lord and declare the name of Jesus Christ and the power of His cross and see the victory of Jesus Christ enforced in this earth. 
I tell you, this is the purpose of God. Upon this rock, Jesus said, I will build my church. I will build my church. I tell you, I look at this day and I wonder, Jesus, how could you ever build this church. Surely as Nehemiah looked at the wall that was broken down in Jerusalem and the burnt and the broken stones and said, how can the wall be restored? How can there be any strength in this defense? How can the temple of the Lord be built up? And yet God enforced their victory and gave them strength. And we look at the church and we look at the brokenness of Christianity and American Christianity and of evangelism and it's lack of love for the Word of God and its lack of devotion to God and everything else takes priority over the kingdom of God and we seek sometimes the kingdom of God and His righteousness and we say, how could you ever build a church that will last? And Jesus says, my ability to build that church doesn't depend on those broken and burnt stones. It depends upon the revelation that I am the Son of God and I've come to get a bride for myself and I will build a church that the gates of hell cannot overcome. And so right now in your weakness and your frailty and your discouragement and your overwhelmness and all of your weakness and all of your insufficiency, you can look at Jesus Christ and say, you will build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Lord, you will say to the floppy little lambs of the kingdom of God, we will reign in this life and you will attack the gates of hell and you will overwhelm the lion that roams about seeking whom he may devour, even through these weak people because we will reign in life. Hallelujah to the glory of God. Give God some praise this morning. Stand up with me in the house of the Lord. Stand up with me. Brother Renee, if you would come. We're going to take some time and we're going to worship this morning and we're going to celebrate Jesus Christ. Amen. We're going to praise God for the one who came in our stead, who came in our place. We're going to give Him worship and praise and glory this morning with all of our heart. Amen. Can you imagine what it was to be those people that found the empty tomb? Can you imagine the worship and the gratitude for those who were standing in a room full of terror and fear with the door shut, thinking those who killed Jesus are going to come and kill us and we have no ability to go out into this world and to do anything effective. Jesus told us that we're to be His disciples and we're to preach the Word of God. But who are we going to preach to? We can't even preach to ourselves. And Jesus showed up in that room and said, Here I am, alive again. And the hope that filled their heart and the joy that filled their heart and the renewal that filled their heart. And they didn't even understand the victory of the cross. They didn't even understand the victory of the resurrection. But a hope that they could not understand began to fill their heart. Even doubting Peter, uh, even doubting Thomas, how merciful was Jesus that He said, I will not believe unless I can put my hand into His side and my finger into the holes in His hands. And Jesus said to them, Here is my side. Here are my hands. Come and feel me that I am alive. And He said, Jesus, I believe. But Jesus said, You have seen and believed. But blessed are those who will not see, but do believe. I tell you this morning, do you believe Jesus Christ? Do you trust Him? Do you believe that He was crucified and buried and resurrected on the third day to give you grace that you might reign in life? I tell you, if you believe that this morning, there ought to be hope in you. There ought to be joy in you. There ought to be an assurance in you that Jesus Christ is King of kings and Lord of lords. 
that there is nothing that can overcome you because you're walking in the power of Christ. Amen? And so this morning, we're going to worship Him. We're going to give Him all of our faith and all of our heart, and we're going to ask Him to make us people who reflect the resurrection. Amen? This world cannot believe in the resurrected Christ if there is not a crucified and a resurrected people. Amen? This world cannot believe in a resurrected Christ unless they see a church that is alive. And we must ask the Lord to give us faith in His resurrection and faith that we are raised with Him. Let's worship the Lord this morning, saints. God Almighty, we ask You to come and to witness to our hearts of the power of the cross and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Lord, encourage us that in Christ we are more than conquerors through Him that loved us. Remind us, Lord, that as He is, so are we in this world. Remind us, Lord, that we are seated with Him in the heavenly places, that His victory is our victory, that He ascended, descended into this world and led the host of captives free, and He gave gifts unto men. And He said, here are the spoils of your war. I have won it on your behalf. Rejoice in my victory and in my life. Have your way, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Worship Him, saints. Let the Lord have His way.